of the production line for Supernatural Strength merchandise is the iconic Deep, Deep, Deep Inside shirt. Ladies and gents, get out there and get your merch. Links in the description, copy and paste it into your browser. Feel the love, motherfuckers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a sad day because as you come to us live here today on The Fix, episode 58, I think it is, my technical director would usually answer that question, is unable to do so. Why? I hear you ask. Because he's filling his fat face with <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, as many people who will... Watch the fix regularly will know, or have just seen me in passing in the street. I am something of a fat bastard. And therefore, I love a bit of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I got any? No. Has the White Oak got any? No. Ryan Blue Boy couldn't eat it if he did have it, because his face is smashed to bits after having giant <laughs> removed from his mouth. But he'd still like some. Nobody's got any. Only Ray. You bastard, Ray. <laughs> bastard. Mm -mm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fix 58. We're underway. We've got Ray on mute because he's eating. We've got Ryan Bowen, who was on a two and a half hour live feed last night. He's going to tell us about that in just a moment. Looking very sexy. The United States of America. Yes, it's the White Hawk. Now, bit of an observation, guys. Notice that my fine fat self here, rocking the Fix shirt. White Oak there, rocking the fix shirt. Even Ryan Blue Bowen in Brisbane, Australia, rocking the fix shirt. These were sent out at the same time. And Raymond's shirt has not arrived. What <laughs> the fluff is good? What does that tell us about Latvia? Is what I want to know. I mean, if you said to me, you're only two hours away. Not necessarily swimming. Well, Brexit, man. It's it's because you 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 wanted to leave us, you know, leave us behind. <laughs> well, it is terrible. So, guys, just before we get things going with this, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to our show sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. This show is brought to you by. Let me get it so it actually appears. There it is, the greatest beef jerky in the world, Western Survivor, ladies and gents. Adam Vandal's very own. Remember, Adam Vandal is an arm wrestler. Western Survivor is an arm wrestler owned and controlled product. When Western Survivor do well, arm wrestling does well. Ladies and gents, back it. It also tastes amazing. Biggity bong! That's yeah. nice I received my five packets last week. I ate them in an hour. 
Sorry, yeah, they are amazing. Yeah. This <laughs> in particular, this Matt particular even one, sorry. Is that everybody's oh, yeah. favourite? Which is just mine. Yeah. Oh, there. How good's that? Yeah. It's been so long. I I I I I never got the second box. Right, raised raised T-shirt didn't arrive. My my jerky hasn't arrived. Okay. Hey, this is the wizard's tits. <laughs> let me tell you now. This and the cracked peppercorn. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I like. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Hey, put hair on his chest. That will put hair on Ray's chest. He's only fourteen years old. <laughs> got a bit of a theory about that actually, Ray, because you know, like cat years. The thing is, in England, if it cat years, a cat every human year, a cat does nine years apparently, equivalent. Okay. I'm opposite. You're like that. You're the other mm. way around. Every human year, you I'm don't do a year. Yeah, you're only so now in in in, in actual Ray years, you're probably only like sixteen. You know, if you were not right, right, and if you were right, you'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great for Ryan. Mate, Ryan Bowen. Tell yeah. us what you've had. Tell us how you've ended up like you are now. What, are you doing with my face or what? Yeah. It's gone down. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Just a couple of days ago, I had um, tooth surgery. They saw, they had to saw my tooth in half, drill into the bone and do a whole bunch of nasty stuff. So, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of uh, yogurt and custard. That's kind of me at the moment. And, um, uh, yeah. No, it's not the best, but I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm drugged up on on painkillers and friggin' everything under the sun. I'm a bit spaced out, a bit nauseous, but hey, we're we're here, we're good to go. Remarkably, you are, mate. It's going to be a pretty difficult evening, I would imagine, for you though. There, it's um, not ideal when you've have you got like all the you know the padding that they put in there, all the stuff that they fill it in with that's when all, you've had a that's all, that's all come out, but the face just feels like uh, it just it's just yeah, <laughs> it's full of its own padding right now, so. Yeah. I think, and the, is it visible? Is it visible to you guys or not? It's not that bad. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not like you don't look. You don't look how oh, it can be like you look like you've got a broken jaw and it be out here. It's not that bad. You know, re, you know, you know, real happening. You're not looking like. I don't think women are going to be writing in saying seriously. <laughs> it's that guy's number. That ain't going to happen, son. But it's all right. You're getting married. Yeah, it's all good. I got the. Apparently, I apparently I look like Justin Timberlake with his haircut of his head. Okay, whoever told you that, I'm more good than you are. <laughs> I think I'm speaking on behalf of everybody. I'll just check. Paul? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got to take a week in. Ed Sheeran. That's a good question. Where am I on the sliding scale of Ed Sheeran to Justin Timberlake? <laughs> I'm going more towards Ed. Uh, <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Uh, grab a guitar, come back, I'll tell you. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I mean, I like I to consider myself somewhere between George Clooney and, 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 and Brad Pitt in terms of the looks thing, but, you know, I don't think many people are buying into it. I think most people, I'm somewhere between the Michelin Man and the Marshmallow Man. I was thinking more, maybe maybe somewhere between Ricky Gervais and Brad Pitt for you. Oh, well, that, yeah. Heavily towards Brad Pitt. Yeah. I did, you know what I mean? Because... I don't know how much Ricky Gervais is getting. Yeah. That's probably not as much as Brad Pitt. I reckon, I reckon if it, you know, I reckon Brad Pitt's got more experience in that kind of thing. That's where I'd like to be. So anyway, it's an arm wrestling show, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a, it's not a modeling contest. It's a bloody good job. We'd all starve to death. Except maybe Ray and Paul. Me and Ryan are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm only lumping you in with me because I know you can take it. You're used to taking abuse. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I see you are, you're getting married and everybody's getting measured up for your wedding. I saw the other day that Lachlan yeah. and Air was... Yes, yes, yeah, getting married, getting married, and it just happened to be that I that I I booked the same tailor that I I uh, had made me a suit in back in September two thousand sixteen, and and the dude still had all of my measurements, and man, when he told me that, my eyes lit up. I'm like, you know, I'm like, hang on a sec, you seriously tell me, and I was so excited to compare them. Um, interestingly, uh, YouTube pointed out that I had made crotch gains. My crotch had added four inches. Um, apparently, well, literally. You spent more time in Brisbane. <laughs> Tell us more about that, please. Tell us more about that. But that—that that, apparently that's just a, a fashion trend in the way that they measure crotches now. But I'm going to take it as a game. Is, is it on way. pound for pound armistice website? Can, I'm going there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I must but, admit, well, how's that? You need, we need to get uh, we need to get a bit more information on this. This is just a new thing about how they measure crotches, is it? <laughs> like, I, I wish my missus would start that. Seriously, on your scale, that's eight and a half inches, no? <laughs> but, but it, it, interestingly, most interestingly was the the wrist measurements, the upper arm measurements. Um, he didn't he didn't have a specific forearm measurement, unfortunately, but he had wrist and he had upper arm uh, in a relaxed position. And uh, the, the wrist had put on three quarters of an inch in four and a half years, and the upper arm had put on an inch and a half in. So what, what's, your, what's your what's your upper arm now? Um, the oh, what, <laughs> here we go. What, what's going on? Here? It's <laughs> weird. Selling some of your merch. <laughs> You're looking for oh. the crotch expander. I couldn't find it. <laughs> couldn't. It's not there. <laughs> Keeping all the secrets to himself. I yeah, need to go but, to but the upper arm, <laughs> the, the just arm by my side, upper arm. I think it went to it went from fourteen and a half to. Um, the sixteen point two five or something like that, whatever it was, it was oh. up there. So you're rela- relaxed just by your side arm measurement is sixteen yeah. plus inches. Yeah. That's pretty solid. Mate. And what is your what's your body weight right now? Ninety five kilos on the dot. Okay. Two ten. So we're not, we're, you're not you're not you're not um, going to be going out of the middleweight division anytime soon. No, I can see that. I can spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I tend to put on two to three kilos a year historically since I've been in the sport. Um, so I think I can, I'm, I'm still within range of that 200 pound mark if I get asked to be there uh, for another three, four years, I reckon. I was going to ask the same question of Paul, to be honest, because Paul, uh, we get a lot of comments in there and I was on, who was I on to the other night? I was on, I'll tell you who was on to, Brent Rackers. Okay. <clears throat> and by the time this video comes out, the Brent Rackers deep inside, uh, will already have been released, so you'll see that. But Brent Rucker said, oh, Paul Lynn, even the middleweight now, he looks bigger. Um, uh, and I said, yeah, when he comes on the show, he looks very big. He looks solid, looks ready. Every week he makes me feel bad about myself. But um, what, <laughs> what is your body weight, mate? Where are you knocking about right now? 215, 215. I, oh, you've not changed. Uh, you do look no, like you're, are you back in the it, gym a lot more regularly then? No, I mean, I've always been. I never stopped. Um, you've never stopped? No, like since ever, but... Um, now I'm, I'm pretty consistent every once in a while. Like if I eat like crap, I'll get up to about 220, you know, usually over the winter, but it's, it's really all about the t-shirt size. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, half the time people tell me I'm, I'm, I I look like a, a a super or whatever is when I'm, when I'm light. Mm. If I'm cutting Mm. weight or if I'm lean in the summer, a lot of times that's when I, how are you not 230? Um, Because I'm 210. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and you, and you, uh, 
you've you've no aspirations to move from that weight class, have you? Mate? No, you're, no. You're my body class. doesn't. I don't like. I can't see myself handling that much like more muscle mass as I get mm-hmm. older. I, I actually feel like I would like to gravitate to even lower body weight at some point because I mean I'm I fight so hard with my diet. I eat so clean, you know, just to maintain that. You know, as my metabolism slows, I don't want to go in the opposite direction. You know. So I'd like to I'd like to stay right here where I'm at. I'm not I have no aspirations of putting any more size on. No, it does look like um, in the U.S. right now, things are starting to free up a little bit, open up a little bit. I think that it's not too bad for that in Latvia at the moment, is it, Ray? You guys are getting you're still on the you're still on two on on point for the the August event in Norway if that doesn't go south. Um, oh, we're in full lockdown. You're on like, total lockdown. You can't go anywhere now. No, no, I can go anywhere. I, I, I have no problem. I just uh, have to sit in quarantine when I get back, like I did in Dubai. But <clears throat> I'm, um, I'm expected to go places, but we'll see. Now, very interestingly, we, we in the UK, Dateline check, end of March, we should be um, getting a relaxation of things around July, like quite a big relaxation of things. We're told, you know. Now, if that was the case, it is a lot can happen in that period of time. But at the moment, the you know the conversations the Arnold Classic Europe have started again, and in the time we've been away, Ryan Bowen's whole demeanour, whole schedule has changed. (laughs) He will no longer be pulling Rob Virgin Junior. So that puts him back in the battleground for him. He's back in the mix, mother fluffers. Because if you can't pull Rob Vigent Jr., looks like you're back in. <laughs> Man, there are so many. There, there are so many people I want to pull. There's just the, the list is endless. So a battleground suits me really well. The more the better. It's just sort of finding that up because the Arnold Classic Europe looks like it would be going away, uh, going on, uh, getting away, I should say. The um, we know that there's a Giants Live Strongman event arena show at that same. Uh, competition at that same event on the Sunday, which is the 3rd of October. So the plan right now would be that probably the Friday and Saturday, I would imagine, that there will be uh, some arm wrestling there. The Arm Wars uh, Phoenix at the Arnold Classic would take place, which would be awesome. And it'd be great if we could get the fix live there, if we could get you guys head to head, we could get the White Oak featured in something as well, which would be quite cool. So couple of things were bounced around the other day on my show and i wanted to sort of address this for you guys so i'm on with uh, i'm on a live with rvj okay and uh you know conversation goes uh towards okay match activity this that and the other who we'd want to pull them and he'd been getting a tremendous amount of messages from on across social media uh, and direct to him talking about um why does he not travel or pull any of the top Eastern European guys? Now, obviously, uh, the answer to that question is that he's been kept busy by the World Arm Wrestling League. And if you look at how uh, often he was competing, it was definitely he was regularly on it. You know, now within that period of time, um, I think he feels like he's been a little bit underrated, not getting the recognition that he potentially should get. Uh, and he wants to sort of change that. He wants to get to a scenario where the respect level for RVGA goes up. And I've been talking to him about this on and off for a long period of time. And he find it down to sort of a wish list of individuals. And the one that I want out of there um, 
is a Bulgarian, Sasha Andreev. Mm. Now, I wanted to sort of speak to you about that and get your take on it, guys, because in my mind, I absolutely love that match. And I know um, you're very familiar with him, Ray. You know, you, in fact, uh, you know, we've seen Sasha compete, so we know where his level's at. Because let's be honest, within COVID, there's a lot of people say, oh, yeah, this guy might be amazing. We don't know where he's at during COVID as he dropped off. <laughs> But we've just seen Sasha do his thing with Irekli yeah. over in yeah. Turkey. And I wanted to sort of gauge your individual levels of interest on what do you think about that match? Uh, Sasha, one-on-one in a super match format, even though he's not used to that, is even more dangerous than he is in tournaments, in my opinion. Because <clears throat> basically, just like uh, RVJ, he's kind of slow starter. But there's no escaping him. It's his 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 forearm is so short. He applies so much pressure. We we have seen this time and time after again. If you are not super fast puller, Sasha will beat you. Like he, I, I don't know how many times. Like he has won world championships starting from seventy up to ninety kilos. You know, and and being the top dog for I don't know how many years. Like in both world championships. Uh, it's Prudnik tries to beat him, uh, Spartak Zuluyev, Hajimurat, he was faster and stronger and he had better technique to beat him on that day, I believe. But put him in a super match and maybe we'll see something different. Again, placing RVJ is all the things that you said. It's very hard because I really don't know. I will pick Sasha as favorite for, for all of those things that RVJ can get out of him. Doesn't matter. You can take his hand, doesn't matter. You can pull him, you can ho- doesn't matter. You, what you need to do is quick finishes, control the center and things like that. Our, like his strengths uh, are, I believe he's very strong, he's very durable. But uh, Sasha is different beast. Like I was looking at Moldova videos like for past week, you know. Everyone's like, yes, uh, Hutchings beat Sasha. You look at that video and you can see the timeline. Like three minutes, five minutes before, maybe maybe a little bit more, Sasha was in a war with Krasimir. And then he got Hutchings, you know. And everyone's saying like they were fresh for fresh. And I was there, I was watching, but I don't remember like what was when things happened. And it was before they were sitting in hook with Krasimir and then everyone jumped all over him. And uh, the guys that basically had the flash pins... <clears throat> On Hutchings and Sasha were the fast ones, like uh, Alan Makayev, Prudnik, things like that. So, uh, Sasha is favorite. I believe he's uh, 90 kilos. Uh, we need to see a super match with him and Hajimurat for that, uh, at least from, from WAF's side, the uh, undisputed crown champion. You know. So, Ray, for, just for, my, just for my, my own perspective and everything, do you, where do you think Sasha... Um, would would stand with Hutchings in a slow rolling hook, fresh for fresh, just for, just for my own reference. I I believe like uh, fresh for fresh. Yeah. Of course, it's very hard to say, but I I would pick Sasha, especially now. Okay. Because like uh, he's he's so at the same close. weight at the same weight he, at the same weight. If they're at the same weight, I would pick Sasha every day. If uh, Hutchings is bigger, again, I don't know where he is right now. We saw Sasha just competing with very dangerous Irakli. 
You know, Heraklit has taken hand over everyone, and he can stop roll almost anyone. He just manhandled him after first round, which I, mm-hmm. I believe he just was sleeping. You know, Sasha, if like number one, number two guy in the world under ninety kilos, it's it's like prove me wrong. You know, it's the guy accolades talk about themselves every year because like every year I was in WAF Worlds or Europeans there was some contender that was trying to beat him and they mm-hmm. most of the times failed like we, we would look okay this is a good lineup for someone to beat Sasha because uh, for first years after he went to seniors he didn't lose you might mm-hmm. see him getting second because again I know this from Stories, Bulgarians get paid by one arm. So if you win both arms, it doesn't matter. You will just get paid by one arm. So he will give it to his teammate. And, and now they were, I think it was Malaysia. I'm like, what's happening here? They're like, nah, we just gave it. It doesn't matter, you know. So, and, and at that time, 70, 80, 80 kilos, something like that. Yeah. I find that hard to stomach. I'm going to just dive in and say, you know. If you're the man and somebody comes in, it's a world championship. Like, oh, yeah, just lie down for your. Uh, Doesn't care for you. For, for me, I'm like, wait a minute. I know. I know. Look, look at the Kazakh. Look, look at the Kazakh <laughs> team. Kazakh team is like, so you're gonna be number one. You're gonna be number two. They're like, okay, because it's all their livelihood. Everything is on the line. And if you uh, you, you will see uh, Megjan giving up, you will see uh, Talgat giving up. You know, you will see it. Time and time after again, when we want to see those matchups happen, they're like, no, you will not waste energy with each other. You just, you know, F with everyone else. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, for, for them, it's more than winning because they, they win. Doesn't matter if you're the champ on right arm, you know, and, and your government just pays for one arm or, or your coach said, because it's, it's big money involved for them, at least for them. But I'll, I'll, I'm picking Sasha under 90 kilos with anyone. He's so <coughs> so hard to beat. So hard to beat. I, 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 what I like about Sasha is that he's an extreme example of a biomechanical uh, setup for the sport. I love the I love the sport that we've got. Our tall, lanky types, all the way down to our Sashos. And I think Sasha is the most compact of elite arm wrestlers that have been all the way to the top. Um, so for me, he's a he's a really fascinating example to study. Uh, I'd love to grip up with him in a practice pool just, just so I can feel what that compact shape actually does and the problems it presents. They're just, and as you say, people, I think people struggle with Sasha because he's the extreme example and they don't get to practice with anyone else that's, that's quite like him. Um, Todd Hutchins, obviously in the USA, he's another one that does have the short forearm, but I think Sasha is even shorter again. Like, oh yeah. Uh, so when, 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 Sasha was an individual, very short. Sasha is shorter yeah. than me. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know how, what, what is he? Five foot four or something like that? Like what is he? Five he's five? Not short. He's not tall. Yeah. yeah uh, I would say one one sixty something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, he's not. He's he's definitely. You know, it, put it this way: in a limbo competition against La Latin, he'll piss it. <laughs> but you know, when, when you when you ask the question, Neil. Uh, on Rob and Sasha, it's an interesting one because because Rob had the the rivalry with Todd for so long. They did mm-hmm. go back and forth, even though Todd got the big match wins. There's plenty of wins for Rob over over Todd as well. And and 
Sasho is someone uh, like Todd who's going to want to be at home in the straps against uh, someone like Rob. And uh, the the first question is, can Sasho get there against the hand of Rob from that short forearm? It's not always that easy. No doubt his back pressure is huge, but the fact that Todd Hutchins struggled to slip against um, Rob from time to time um, could present a problem for Sasha as well. That's one consideration. And then it's, uh, if it gets into the strap, I do have to think that, yeah, the supination of, of Sasha, the relentless side pressure and that elbow conditioning that he's got to that extreme level, uh, I think that he would be able to do the job. So I think it would be, it would come down to whether Rob could control him outside of straps um, as to whether I think Rob could win. Interesting. They're very different stylistically, um, Sasha and, and Todd. But just to pick up on a couple of points, obviously, <clears throat> you know, that we've seen that, that Sasho's got great staying power um, over his career. I think that the match with Todd Hutchins, I do believe, was an accurate reflection of that match on that day. But I also think that Todd Hutchins is almost the acid weapon to beat someone like Sasho just because of the fact that he may be stronger, mm. you know. Um, and it, it, you know, the, like I think you hit, hit it on the head, Ray, when you said there is no way around Sasha. There might well be a way through him, but it's just that how many people are strong enough to actually go through that? I'll tell you what, it's a very, very rare air you're breathing if you can go through that dude, because he is strong. Yeah, you know, like Ryan's comment, I think people struggle with Sasha because he's that, you know, he's that stream example of it, and I agree with that to some extent. But I also think people struggle with Sasha because he's Strong as fuck. <laughs> you don't. You, and like, that, that's the thing because he's not necessarily. He's not neat and tidy. He's not diverse. But what he's got is kind of that old school Sylvain Perron. There it is. I've supinated onto literally joint, and I'm just gonna. But he's herky jerky, mistimed, weirdo. He'll just go diving in at you at a certain, and, and it's like anything else. I I preach the gospel on this every time I go to an arm wrestling table. In fact, my entire career was sort of underpinned by this. That if you can take someone out of their comfort zone in terms of the linearity, their bone line position, because of so many people in arm wrestling, ninety percent of people or more, more ninety eight percent of people train based upon I'm comfortable in this position it's linear there's so much I could get carried away here I watched a thing the other day with one of my favourite arm wrestlers in the world Matt Mask and Matt Mask has a tennis ball here and a tennis ball behind his lap and if you haven't got over to Matt Mask's channel ladies and gents get over check it out Matt Mask just start an arm wrestling channel if there's a more exciting arm wrestler in the world than Matt Mask I don't know that guy's ace but Matt's got a tennis ball here and a tennis ball behind the guy's lap and he's talking about movement for form the interesting thing about that is whilst that is effective in terms of training that positional you know integrity the carryover into actual real life arm wrestling the guy that trains in that style is the kind of guy i'd love to arm wrestle because he's doomed if you get him outside of that line then because he's not working those forms for me arm wrestling isn't about perfect neat lines it's just so opposite to that mm. it's taking opportunities it's throwing feints in a fight it's angle and change of direction 
And one of the things that works well is when you can combinate those factors. And I think that Sasho does that exceptionally well. And like Ryan was saying, going back to, to sort of his point, I agree that that sort of the dimensions and package that's represented by Sasho is extremely unusual. Very, very few people. If you sort of track your mind, it's like we talked about with Jerry Cataret. Try to picture another Sasho in any weight class. So what did, did you talk to I didn't get to see the live Neil did you talk to Rob about that what 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 was his response if you did dude had a hard on that's what I mean so that was going to yeah, be think, my devil that was going to be my devil's advocate <laughs> that was going to be my devil's advocate because everybody's saying that like we're, oh. we're saying that Sasha's the, the the favorite and I don't necessarily disagree but Rob is such an enigma in that like what what gets him going and what doesn't like uh, you know, if, if if Rob was to pull Ryan or Rob was to pull myself, I don't know if he would get as as you know dialed in um, as he would for a match of that caliber because now he has the opportunity to be on kind of a world stage, you know, and really <clears throat> prove his worth. So you know, if 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 Rob decided to say, you know what, I'm training between now and you know whenever that match is, 100% focused, like in a similar fashion to what Ryan's saying that Lachlan's doing. Um, I think Rob turns into a, an absolute weirdo just because of well, his tools. I couldn't agree more, mate. As usual, when whenever you speak, Paul, it's worth listening. And that's another fucking perfect example of it right there, because I could not agree more with that. The, the, the thing is, let me tell you a story, right? We had a boxer in England. I think I've mentioned it before on Shields. So we had a boxer in England who was a Welsh lad. His name was Joe Calzaghi. Okay. And a lot of Joe Calzaghi's career, the press here in the UK, the media, threw, poured scorn on Joe Calzaghi. said, Joe Calzaghi ain't that good. Who the has Joe Calzaghi fought? He's not fought anybody. He hasn't fought this guy. And they'd ream off guys that he hadn't fought. It might be Steve Collins, might be Nigel Benn. Chris Eubank at the time was one. Michael Watson. Got all the guys around that era. And he ended up fighting uh, Eubank a couple of times. Chris Eubank, who was the world champion then, and a really, really well-rounded, exceptional boxer. Really technically gifted. A lot of shots. Both hands. Mega. Uh, a very charismatic guy. And I remember after that fight, they were interviewing uh, interviewing Eubank, who was like that supremely confident lad, you know. And Eubank was like, God, that, you know, anybody out there who doesn't think that Joel Calzaghi is for real, you, you have no idea. He is serious in every respect, you know. Calzaghi won the fight. Um, and he went on to win other fights which cemented him, where people now, if you talk about Joe Calzaghi, pretty much mm-hmm. universally recognised as an absolute savage you know everybody's like yeah he's an animal mate. mega but at the time i remember the struggles he went through to get that recognition and everybody was in the same boat because the media gives you a perception and i think that rob vigent is a very sensitive person in that respect he does live it he does appreciate he's very confident but he also at the same time has his inner demons and he's got that desire to be proven Desire to be the proven entity, you know, where he can then say, you know what, I'm going to pull this guy and I'm going to beat this guy. And then all of him, everything that Ray just talked about. How many WAF world titles has Sasha got, mate? Do you know? 
I don't know. We're talking Ten. multiple world championships. I, I first saw him in 2013. I think he won juniors, at least with one arm. He was he started training for two months. But but whatever way you cut it, on anybody's dial, on anybody's radar, if you know about the sport of arm wrestling and you mention the the, the name Sasha, everybody's like, Megan, you cannot deny it. So, in Rob's mind, it it comes to me. You know what I mean? If he goes in there and he cracks Sasha, He's then, a man. He's the yeah. man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. said a minute ago, Sasha might be the man under 90 Rob's in the world. Rob's been pulling, what, 17 years or something in the sport. And and no. if, you, if, you, if you look at what he's done on paper in the North American scene, it's nothing short of being remembered as one of the, the legends of North American arm wrestling. Um, so, but he he's never, I, I think so many times, He's heard, we've seen, I've seen it since I've been around in sport where people have expressed that we want to see him in Eastern Europe, <clears throat> beat his Lolita or whatever. And it hasn't happened. Uh, I, I think I even know when I went to the Lolita, uh, I heard. But why would it, Ryan? Yeah. Why? Honestly, you know, mate, what? let's just, let's just encapsulate that now. If I was Rob Vigent Jr., I would put you on Pierre. What the fuck? Why would I want to do that? Honestly, why would I? Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it as well, but it, it, what, it, what, it, what is interesting is that he's now coming to a point where he feels like he wants to, and that's the evolution that I find fascinating. That well, Rob... correction, he wants to pull those arm wrestlers, though he wants to pull, he, he has no desire to go and pull in necessarily well, yeah, yeah. that format, yeah. or, you know, I, I don't think that's the case, because there's too many questions in mm. that format, and that's my problem with it a lot of the time. And I, and I go back and look, my biggest wins in my entire arm wrestling career are my WAF World titles, the EAF European titles. Very proud of them. But do they cement me in my own mind as definitely the guy that day? No, because it wasn't a one-on-one. There was other hurdles. How can I say that? Okay, that guy wasn't a bit tired, or this guy wasn't a bit tired, or this guy. You know, my way of doing that was try to get consistency, go every country, everywhere, pull that guy many times. And if at the end of our career, I've got more wins than you've got on me, yeah. then I'm pretty sure that I can do, I'm the man. If I've got similar or similar, if you kicking my ass more times than I'm kicking yours, then you're probably the man over a lot of years. You know what I mean? But you just yeah. want to know. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm a Supermatch fan. And for me, that's the best way for, for me to develop my own game and my own personal ladder and all that that I climb. It's through the use of supermatches, so I get it. I'm fascinated, like I'm, I'm fascinated that Rob is excited by that, and I think that's a good thing. I'm saying that that is, uh, it's nice to see that Rob wants to do this uh, as opposed to happy to stay in North America. I know he's got a big family and all that sort of stuff, and he hasn't had that ability before. But yeah, those sorts of matches are those sorts of matches, as Herman Stevens put it, um, a Rob v anyone in in Eastern Europe. Uh, Updates the story on the balance of power globally. I agree, mate, and it potentially rewrites it, doesn't it? It's yeah, potentially it like that. whoa. It fills in a big gap that we don't know. We just it's a gap yeah, that we right. don't know. It fills it in. So, so I guarantee I, I, the people in the comments that'll come on and go, "Don't be stupid, Rob Vigen yeah. Jr. can't deal with these guys. He'll yeah. get smashed." We'll see. 
Yeah, he might. You know what I mean? He might, depending on the version that shows up. But, like, I, I got a lot of respect for Rob in, on a lot of levels um, beyond just arm wrestling, kind of the way he thinks and stuff. And if you really look at him, like, he was supposed to be kind of like the next John Brzezink, right? Like, he's got all the tools genetically and everything. He moves well, everything needed to be like the next John Brzezink. However, he didn't really commit himself to go ahead and travel like John did. So he's no. done the accolades in the United States, maybe pseudo similar to John, but he never got over and, and you know, an arm wrestled the Giants or, or the Europeans. And I think that's just because it wasn't really, Rob didn't value it that much. Uh, I feel like he's a very much a classic case of, of a very genetically gifted person who didn't have to work really hard. So did it, didn't quite value those things quite as much, I think. And that's not a dig in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's more like here we are, maybe like Ryan's saying, he's coming into a transition in his life where he's deciding to care. I think if he decides to care and value the stuff, I think that we actually see what his potential would, would have been early on in his career. But I, I also kind of identify with him too. Like, you know, what, what is his motivation to get in the plane and, and arm wrestle the best? He's got a family. He's got other endeavors. So I understand how that can, you know, that can kind of play on. And he also seems like he kind of goes through peaks and valleys, um, based on how he feels about the sport as a whole. So it looks like we're going into one of those peaking phases. And I think I, you know, we catch Rob at the right time. We could see that that John Brzezink esque talent really come out. Um, we've yet to see it. I'm really excited by the idea of it. But then there's also the flip side that maybe you know maybe that maybe this Sasha match or something similar is is slated, and we hope Rob takes it super serious and we hope his camp is great. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just kind of you know drifts and and goes over there and has a lackluster showing. That's also a possibility as well. But I'm I'm a strong believer that the outcome really lies in in rob rob's own focus i think he has the ability he has the tools to beat everybody pretty much at that weight class if he puts his mind to it i agree mate <clears throat> i think on it i mean it's funny when that when the ryan match came about and we were like you know we had a lot of banter and we were taking the mick and stuff like that and i said <clears throat> i mean and i mean this in the nicest possible way right this isn't meant but all that stuff that came up about the steroids and stuff like that right uh and, and i said and I still would say, mm. I am against it. my stance on steroids is I'm not pro steroids, you know, largely because of the fact that, I mean, Jesus Christ, what, what clue did you need? Supernatural. You know what I mean? I've got two young boys that I want to arm wrestle one day if they want to arm mm. wrestle. And I don't want them to have to make a decision to be a world class arm wrestler where they are forced to take steroids. It's that simple. And for anybody out there that look, I'm not judging people. A lot of my best friends take steroids. And they are not bad men. They're great men. In fact, they're men I absolutely love. Uh, and, and if you speak to them, you know, we, we're good mates and we talked about this openly. I don't disrespect at all the person that takes that, uh, that takes steroids and does what they do. Um, but I do get a little bit frustrated when you get people come on and they'll say things like, oh, yeah, there's this misconception that, uh, you know, steroids is just a, gives you a big advantage. But you need to just, you know, you still need to put in the work and all like that. Yeah, everybody gets that. Cut that, that line is getting old. So fucking old. Drop it. Here's the quick counter. Single silver bullet counter. If they're no good, what the fuck are you taking them for, dude? Why are they banned? Why are you taking them? If they, they do nothing at all, there's no real benefit. What the are you taking them for? You know, know what's 
you know what's funny when you apply this to to um to to Rob, right? So normally when you when you make an assumption about all right somebody whether they're whether they're on some form of PED or not, it's usually based off of peaks and valleys, right? So you see this guy show up, he's bloated or whatever, he looks 30 pounds bigger, whatever the case may be. And you're like, okay, telltale sign or whatever. Or, you know, performance, like one day they come in super strong, the next day they don't show up, right? So what's so funny about that is that, and I believe wholeheartedly that, that Rob is 100% natural, but he, he kind of is that guy, you know what I mean? And it's, it's not necessarily about appearance, but like, just think about it. If Rob trained, for eight weeks and showed up like rock strong, like dominant as hell. What are people going to say? Oh, he must be juiced up. He must have, he must have hit a cycle to do that. No, this is just Rob committing himself. So there's a, there are also people out there who, you know, just based off of natural ability are going to show what would be considered a telltale sign of, of maybe PED use. And a Rob, it, being that Rob's a natural dude, he's almost like the exception to the rule because he's so good without training. So some guys can show up just training and, and have basically the same effect. That's, I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird subject. For me, for me, that, of, for me that, that subject is something that, uh, <clears throat> you'll never, you'll never get a clear answer in a public forum from anyone. And that's just, you just have to know that. I'm sure you guys are all aware in small circles, people will be very different with you in terms of, Oh yeah, there's a stigma attached to it, right? And and ultimately, there's a stigma attached to it. Now, let's be honest here. Yeah. Sorry, what? You you get what we can say. I've lost it. Well, I'm just going to say people always twist it up like it's you know you're acid one side or acid the other side, and if your view on steroids is a certain way, then you think that everybody who takes steroids is a complete bastard. And it just couldn't be further from the truth. If listen. If there's a competition where it's no holds barred, no holds fucking barred. I I can honestly tell you, I never, I personally never went to an arm wrestling competition in my life ever yeah. where I gave it shit about weight class or whether the dude was on steroids or not. Right. I couldn't care that he's not. I'm, it's yes, about right. you and how you're competing on. I couldn't care less whether a guy's on steroids or not. If you want to take, you're a big boy. Do what you want to do. Yeah. If you want to take steroids, take them. I'm not taking them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And if I can beat you, I'll beat you. And if you can beat me, you beat me. Job done. I'm you not going to go whining about I'm, I couldn't give a shit who's on my first. My first experience with the topic was really through football at the college level. And D2, in D2, um, steroid use was, was pseudo rampant. Um, especially, especially, you know, with the larger guys playing up front and everything. And, you know, you, you, you get, that's, this is my first exposure to it. And you have like a decision to make. And for me at the time, it was a clear cut decision. There's no reason for me to do this. There's no reason for me to, 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 to risk failing a drug test, to lose scholarship money. When I see this guy who goes home, um, over summer and comes back 25 pounds bigger, and bloated and everything else. And then we do the same hitting drills that we do, you know, four months ago. And I still dominate him just the same. There's no mm-hmm. reason for me to do it. But, like, I, you know, it, it, it's really everybody's moral compass and what are you really relying on, you know, and are you really, are you, you know, how, how far are you willing to go depending on what your genetic potential is. And I've been blessed enough to really be been able to just rely on, you know, consistency over time. 
Um, but that's, that's maybe that's a downfall for me because, you know, when it comes to the next level, um, when I peak per se for a match, it might not be as high as somebody else peaks. <clears throat> so I, you know, everybody thinks that's, about that's, it. Um, I've got no judgment of it either. So I, yeah, I really don't that's... care. Like Neil said, the match doesn't matter. Somebody's, whatever somebody chooses to do, that's their own life. Well, it's the fair thing. The fair, the, it, it, the fair thing comes into it all the time. And as I was right. saying, if you've got an event that's no holds barred and everybody knows there's nothing on it, and fine. You want to take steroids, go in, take it. Couldn't care less. If you win, you win. Everybody knew it was an open tournament. It was no holds barred. We went in. We arm wrestled. That guy won. He was on steroids. So get on with your life. That's how it is. Similar situation. Let's say, for example, uh, your world deadlift record holder was Ed. Now it's Thor. Okay, so we say Thor. He's got notoriety. He's got uh, made himself, you know, very famous and popular by... His enormous size and physicality, and the fact that he lifted 501 kilos. Okay, and you might get somebody who'll come online and say, "Oh, this guy, that's not impressive because he took steroids or he did it." You know, I'm not commenting on whether he took steroids or not. That's up to him. He knows everybody do their own thing. But what I'll say is this: Let's say he did, right? If he wanted to do that, but then he's going to try and lift half a ton or more. There is a risk attached to doing that. You know, there is a risk attached to taking steroids. There is a risk attached to picking half a ton up. It may destroy your back. It may damage things that never recover. I remember before Eddie did the 500 deadlift, Zidruna Saviscus, right? Arguably the strongest individual that's ever lived. It's certainly one of the best of all time. And most strength aficionados will say, yeah, Zidruna's probably the best strongman of all time, right? So, dude knows what he's talking about. And I'm hosting a Giants Live VIP session. Probably 500 people in there, all rabid strength fans. And the microphone comes to Zidrunas Zabiscus. And uh dude in the crowd says, yeah, Zidrunas, you know, we're going to see Eddie try the half-ton deadlift tonight. Uh Do you think he can do it? And Zidrunas, in his usual super slow, he like slow motions over to the microphone. Takes the mic, looks out. Very, very serious look in his eyes. And he says, OK, Eddie's my friend. Um, and I really like him and I admire him for trying this. Uh, but I'm going to say no, he won't be successful. Tonight. I don't think he can do it. And I'm also going to say that I hope he comes through the event safely and doesn't get injured. Because we're getting to the levels now where <laughs> we are talking about serious risk to your health from doing this in terms of we don't know it's uncharted territory you know it could be a situation where you have some kind of very serious injury as a result of trying to lift that weight so at that time the belief was that that was the ceiling and once you get to that ceiling you're risking things you know we we know you start lifting very very big heavy weights there's a kid that got injured the other day on larry's channel bless him all peace uh, recovered fine but that was horrific nobody wants to see it but in the back of your mind have you got an awareness that you start lifting heavy weights it's dangerous well if you don't have you can well should because yeah it's dangerous so if a dude says you know what i'm going to set my stall out and i'm going to get huge and strong as and i'm going to lift something that nobody's ever lifted before and if that gets him fame and notoriety good on you that's fine crack on do it and that provides that 
thing that everybody wants to see. It gives everybody the spectacle. It's the superhuman factor that they've got there, you know. By the same token, I would hope that, and I know that, a lot of the guys who do use also have respect for the guy that will walk in natural and is a bad mother fluffer. And if you're going to an event which is a natural event, and it should be something like the WAF Worlds and the AAF, there's kind of, for me, almost a respect level there that, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to take anything. I'm going to show up and see how I do. That's what I'm talking about. Having that distinction between, that's a natural event, that's NHB, it's on. You know? Then every man has an opportunity to make a choice. You're not taking someone else's choice from them. Yeah, I 100% agree you shouldn't ever take anyone else's choice from them. And it was, it was interesting, the first time I ever asked anyone senior in the sport, and, and I've had plenty of people senior in the sport that I've had the opportunity to chat with as I've grown up through the sport. And and years ago, I asked the question, so what, what, where does where do PED sit in the sport, in, in, in your opinion? And I asked everyone that I came across, and, and it was usually the same sort of uh, story that we just heard there in that, um, you don't, first first of all, you do not need performance enhancing drugs to become an elite arm wrestler. You, you don't. But there are moments where a certain tournament, a certain super match, a certain thing will be on the line where where you will likely face an opponent, in your, your opinion, that for that moment will use that to peak higher than they normally can peak. And, and on many occasions, uh, that will leave you with a choice. Well, are you going to do that for that moment as well? And and this is this is throughout throughout super matches, throughout things like the Nemiroff, throughout the, the Zloty, all those sorts of tournaments where where we, as you said, Neil, we know uh, it's it's not not a tested thing. And so it's it's very easy to see. You look at the lineup of Zloty Tour athletes and look up at the, look at the lineup of IFA athletes. The, the skin tone is different. The blood pressure is, is high in these guys and the blood pressure is low in these guys. It's, it's very, very obvious to see. And, and it's, a, it, it's, it's, yeah, it just is what it is. But it's, it's not something, as you said, as long as there's no cross pollination of that and then that's where the, the cheating really does come into it is that, and that's with, with, with the match that I was potentially going to have with Rob when Rob said I wanted to be drug tested and I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I, and I mentioned to Rob that I had taken something prior to the lolly tour. Uh, and, and, and for me, and then we get into the debate of, yes, if you've ever once taken stuff, it, it has a carrier effect that will last forever. That is true. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, and that does blur the lines then of, like, I, like I've spoken to, for instance, um, like I was quite transparent with the Australian Arm Wrestling Federation president, Phil Rasmussen. When I went to the lolly tour, I told him, hey, just so you know, uh, this is what I'm doing prior to the lottery tour, yada, yada, yada. Um, if you don't want me to pull nationals again, I'm happy never to pull nationals again because this is the path that, I'm to, that, I've, that I've chosen. And, um, and I want to see how high I can get as an arm wrestler in that respect. And for that event, I'm doing that. Um, so, And he was really cool with that. And it's interesting because it's, it's on one hand, like I said, small circles of respect and trust. It's very You feel very comfortable having those conversations. But to have that conversation in a public space, it's it's really messy. It's it's really messy for for a lot of reasons because there's a lot of people that are taking PDs that will in a public space deny that they've ever taken it. And and I don't and I understand why people will, will do that as well. It's just an uncomfortable, weird conversation in, in a lot of respect. Um and so it's 
it's not a it's not an easy thing to navigate in society. Like I was in, I was in the Australian Army, and I know that these special forces in the Australian Army at times on deployment were were given PEDs because it made them more likely to win the war. And Mate, so, that's, a, um, that's a, such a different environment, though. It's like, almost that, like you say, if you were going into war and you're, it's a risk reward scenario and it's a circumstances scenario. Um, that's very much war is no holds barred. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's almost, almost. Uh, the, point, the point that I was getting to is the blurry, the blurry lines between, in, in terms of uh, communication, in terms of what you can expect anyone to say. I, I think if you, if you grill, if any, if anyone ever publicly asks anyone that they suspect has been either currently using or previously using, if they ask them that question directly in a public forum, I think the person asking the question is 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 kind of dumb for asking it in that way, um, because no one, uh, unless you're the the Mike Yellow type who's very happily openly saying this is everything that I'm doing, whatever, then. You're never going to get a straight answer, and it's going to cause uh, discomfort. It's going to cause a disrespect. If you want to know the truth about what anyone has taken, the best way to do that is to earn their trust genuinely and 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 respect their their position in life. And then, and then these guys are cool. you know, they're not back, like I said earlier. You ever meet Mike Yellow? Or did, he's a yeah, great he's bloke. Great dude. Mm. He's, he's a great choice. Yeah. And, and yeah. let's be honest about Mike. He's he's more interested in aesthetics than he is in arm wrestling. Yeah. His his goals and what he's doing is totally different. Um, yeah. And he, the other thing, lot, he looks like he's been carved out of Zeus's too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the other the other thing that blurs the lines too is is you know a, the term PD and steroid. These mm. these are vastly different terms. Like mm. depending on what you're testing for, you know, you can go to your local GNC and you can get fifty different PEDs. You know what I mean? What what what's in my pre workout right now? On the water list. To, get, yeah, to get me to get me to go to the gym for the second time today and not fall asleep it mm. has banned stuff in it I, yeah. for me do i really do i look at that as an advantage no i'm just getting to the gym so it's yeah. really what you so like people will lump the idea of banned substances and steroids all together and act like it's the same thing um i think and people get passionate about it don't they because a lot of the time right. it's almost like there's a cut and dried approach to the topic Right. And it is anything but cut and dried. Mm. It, yeah. It's, there's a lot more grey than there is black and white in a lot there's of those a ton areas. Of gray. There's a and, ton and of I gray. think if you're on either side of the line, trying to sort of over justify either way or oversimplify either approach is not really beneficial for anyone. Because yeah. that will create the passion in the other side of the argument. They'll be like, what the? F-? You know? And yeah. it, it's, it's a lot of grey. A lot of grey. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, we are, we are, we are, there's a motorcycle race on the Isle of Man called the Isle of Man TT races, right? Most dangerous motorcycle race in the world. Bikes there getting up to like 200 miles an hour on country roads going over a mountain. It's ridiculous, you know. Now, if you go and see that, now every year you look at, and the bike is advancing. The bike is getting better. It's getting faster. Brakes are better. Suspension's better. Tires are better. Now, on the day where it's dry and conditions are right, you can see some ridiculous stuff over there. And I think... They're probably the the the, the lap. Uh, they may I think they may even be over a hundred and thirty mile an hour average lap. Their the lap record now it's certainly up in that kind of echelon, right? I one twenties to one thirty. So you can look at now and you'll see one of the riders of today, 
Okay. Now that rider of today might not be considered amongst the greatest riders in history, but there are a number of riders in that field who have done that high 120 lap, maybe 130 lap. And everybody stood at the side. Of you. If you're ever at the side of that, the circuit of the Isle of Man and a bike goes past you, you cannot help. If that was a an alien riding the bike, you'd still be like, aliens are bad, motherfucker. Anybody that goes around there like that, or anything that goes around there like that, your hat's coming off, you know. And that's cool as hell, and you get to see that incredible superhuman feat of wow. There's also something to be said. When you look back in the history books and you look at some dude that did a 118 mile an hour lap in 1971. <laughs> and the thing with, you know, 1964, he was riding a bike. Some of the section of road was like cobbles and the bike had drum brakes and no suspension and was twin shock and was a crockish death trap by modern standards. And if you got on it, you'd be frightened to ride to the chip shop. And then they say, (laughs) and that motherfucker went round that course and the average speed was 118 miles an hour. And there's the, you know what I'm saying? There's that trade off of perception where you look at that and if you ride 100 yards on that bike that he rode it on and think, Jesus Christ. It's a different thing. It's not, it's not black and white. It's grey. Making that comparison. Take anybody from any era, put him on that bike and see how fast he goes around then. Mm. So, anyway, we get off topic. Tom Nelson, relax, we get him back on. Now then, <laughs> here we go. The match between Rob Bidgen and Ryan. Mm. I love the idea. I love the idea of a clean arm wrestling match. Okay, I love the idea of it not having any steroids in there. But I also love the idea of good arm wrestling matches, and I'm not sure <laughs> that unless Ryan was hot, could do anything with Rob. So let me finish. You're right. Okay. Neil, that's, Neil, that's when you look at a situation, right? Ryan's going to take his arm. At a situation, I would be making the estimation in my mind on an arm wrestling match. About that arm wrestler as we know him now, not that that yeah. not that arm wrestler when he has full blown AIDS. That <laughs> arm wrestler as he is now against mm. that arm wrestler as he is now. Not necessarily that one guy's clean, one guy's full of steroids, one you know whatever that is. Try and take that out of the mix and just look at the ability of that person against the ability of that person at a given moment in time at a weight. Is it a good match? It was always me hit, hit, fighting uphill, hundred percent. Like that's that's. I'll, I'll never deny that. I'll never come in saying, "Hey, I was a favorite." But people often mistake my uh, ability to or my willingness to believe there's a way to win, as they mistake that for me trying to convey that I think I'm superior. And that's the difference. That's the difference. Is I'm never afraid to take a match. Uh, and people joke about it saying that, uh, I would take a match with Levan because my pinky might, I might think my pinky might have something on him or something like that. And it, it actually, that, that kind of meme highlights the point that I actually do believe in that every, that, that I'm, I'm just willing to you take don't matches. Feel and, lost, right? at yeah. all. No, I don't. Every no time I lose, concern. I'm like, 
shit, yeah, I felt where, like for me, if, if someone is just overall flat out too strong in every single position, hmm. for me, what I feel then is I like, it, it, I just go searching for where's the horizon to identify the crack. And then once you've felt where the crack is, you're like, oh shit, the crack's over there. So you know where to invest your future training energy into. And then it's about trying to get a freaking foot in the door of that crack and then prying it open over the next couple of years or whatever. But for me, a match that can look one-sided can feel like progress to me. And yeah, Rob was one of those matches for me. And, and I'm not going to deny that at all. Uh, I've done that repeatedly. Justin Bishop was that for me in 2017. Uh, if I go back before that, there were, Danny Tesh was that for me back in 2015. Like uh, it, it's always been the, the way for me. So that was definitely the match um, in, in, in respect to its balance, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, as to whether I think I was going to win the match, I was planning on it. Uh, I was going to do everything within my power to. I had no dramas doing the, the, the drug testing on there. That wasn't the reason the match fell over in any way, shape, or form. I was just very much happy to tell Rob exactly what had been uh, done in the past. And he was like, yeah, cool. No worries. As long as you tell the drug testing people exactly what this is so they, they know what's in the profile and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and it was all good. The... the the, the shitstorm that happened on social media was blown way out of what reality was in many ways, shape or forms. And, and the, the truth, the truth of it was that, um, it logistically was getting too difficult, uh, to meet the, to meet a standard that I could afford and that Rob deserved to get it started. That was pretty much the reason why we came to a sticking point. And instead of that sticking point being handled well by both myself and Rob, uh, we handled it poorly and it ended up being a shitstorm on social media. So I apologize to Rob, Rob apologized to me and we're all good. And we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> but we, that's, that's pretty much it. Now, if you're both at the Arnold Classic Europe, mm. um, in October, the interesting thing would be that after the show there, if any of you in, in any kind of condition, you get to roll around and play around and get a feel for our things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that's the thing. And that'll, like, be, I, I, that'll like, be interesting. Side, side, table pulling, side table pulling to me is just as interesting. Uh, and high five to Ermes Gasparini for being the king of that. Um, I think side table, <laughs> I think side table pulling <laughs> is awesome. Uh, it means something. It doesn't mean the same thing, but it still means something. And you still learn and grow as an arm wrestler. If you, if you get to, touch anyone's hand, uh, you download their data, you feel it. Um, there's always context, but yeah, it means something. Of course, of course it does. Now then, I'm conscious, guys, we've just gone over the hour mark, so I reckon we're going to have to uh, wrap it up at this point in time. I think that's quite an emotionally charged episode of The Fix. <laughs> but, um, I can't believe you told me I had to get fully on gear to be on the match with Rob. Yeah, listen, I know that might sound cruel to you, and I, I, I'm like you, Ryan. You're a good dude. I'm a big fan of Ryan Bowden, you know. I, I have a lot of time for you, mate. I think you're ace. Yeah. Uh, you're a very, very good arm wrestler. Uh, you've made an absolute success of yourself in what you do in the sport, which is beyond admirable. Uh, you'll shock a lot of people because you're a lot better than people think. Um, I just think that Rob would have been. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and like I said, that's, I, that's cool. You ever, that's cool. If you, I honestly, I 
I may be wrong. In fact, it would be kind of cool if I was wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong, right? Mm. I think if you got in a room with Rob and you just, like, gripped and mucked around with Rob, you just went, oh, yeah, and you'd be, you would literally walk out of that room and think, fuck. <laughs> what, what? The, 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 that is honestly the... what I think. Because I, you're a smart lad, and I think you would walk away going, no, okay. well, the the closest real life data I have to Rob is John Brzezink's words to me whilst training with him. And John said to me, this was a year ago before I was ever talking about a match with Rob, but we were just talking about WAL potential athletes. And Rob was the man that was like, well, one day I, I want to get to Rob. And he and John said to me, Rob will feel just like I feel in terms of hand control, out of straps, threat. He said, it, Rob feels just like I do. So that's what you need to be ready for. If you want to face Rob, you've got to be ready to face what I feel like right now. So that, that and that's me believing John. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's kind of what I expected. <laughs> I've, pu- I've pulled a lot of guys for a lot of years mm. at all weights, supers, middles, everyone. John Brzezink, Gary Goodridge, Sharon Remes, in competition, out of competition, Jerry Cataret, Michael Todd. I've won and I've lost, but I've arm wrestled all. Rob's really fucking good. He's in the weirdo category, yeah. Like, there's a lot of guys that you think are in the weirdo category. Rob really, really is. As Paul said earlier on, Rob's a bit like Vitor Belfort, in that he might come and a guy who's really good and doesn't fear him in any way and has some tool there might get a result that day. But mm. I can pretty much say with confidence that you rerun that match ten times the next nine, Rob will pulls on the bummer and shout to the crowd. If the Rob shows up that's the Rob, mm. the guy shows up that's come really ready and gear and Rob is an He's one of my favourite people. In the, I, I consider Rob a very good friend of mine in and out of arm wrestling. I end up talking to Rob for, for hours at places. He's a fascinating character. He's deep individual. A lot going on in that in his head. And, um, God damn, he's dangerous. Really frigging dangerous. Really got a lot of weapons. And, and, and I, that's why I want, I sort of instigated the Sasho suggestion, and I want that because... Everything that Ray said earlier, I agree. Uh. Sasho, if he's not the man at 90 kilos, in most people's minds, I'm going to say that if you went to everybody who's really in depth with the sport and you said, name me the top three guys potentially at 90 kilos in the world, Sasho is one of them three names. (laughs) So if you're saying to Rob, okay, in order to get that recognition, who do you want to arm wrestle? That is a classic East versus West respect barometer set, isn't it? Because the the, the guys that know Rob, I mean, I, you know, if you, you you've spoken to Devon Larratt and you've said, oh, oh, I'll do this to Rob, or this could happen to Rob, and I know I caught a, I caught a clip it on what I'm, <laughs> Devin, Devin, I don't think Rob's like, I don't think I Rob's worried about you at all. Because <laughs> Devon knows what Rob's capable of, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, there's a snapshot of opportunity to get something on Rob, but five yeah. times, six times. Yeah. <laughs> hey, talking about other freaks, I want to put a plug in before this episode's <laughs> out. It's this weekend, Lachlan Adair, Ryan Scott, the number one in Australia, will be determined 
officially. It's going to be live. It's in Bunbury, which is two hours south of Perth in Western Australia. So maybe that will have happened. Yeah, by the time you're seeing this. Next week, that will have happened the prior weekend. This is next week's fix. Look, we're going to shut this one down, ladies and gentlemen, and get on to our next episode. I want to say a massive thanks to my co-host, as always, uh, the voice of arm wrestling, the voice of reason, the man with the greatest haircut in the sport. Just got back off his head. I thought I was the Justin Timberlake of arm wrestling, yeah. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with Jim, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yeah, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, sure. Ryan Blue Bowen, uh, the man that you may see in October, popped off his tits on wobbly eggs, trying to go headlong through <laughs> through uh, Rob Vigent Jr. Mate, I'm, just before we sign off, Ryan, I'm buzzing that you're back available to pick for that bloody battleground, mate. Yeah, because I power. actually think that's your wheelhouse. <laughs> really? I think with Ray in there, Froder in there, some of the other guys that we're looking at who were absolute warmongers, guys who were just going to go and go, I think you love that. I think one of your big strengths is the is the endurance and the fact you'll go all that. I think it, that could turn into a bloodbath. I can't wait. I cannot wait. That's going to be awesome. And last but by no means least, ladies and gents, it's the white oak, Paul Lynn. Telling you, bad man, watch for him. We will see you next time right here on The Fix. Until we do, take it easy, peeps. What grabs your eyes on that, if anything? 